welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Alexi Lauschkin, a member here at Corpus Christi. Let's take a moment as we get into our sermon homily to pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this day and this season of Lent. May you meet us today. May you meet us so that we might also reflect the righteousness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm going to be taking for um, the purposes of the homily, the Second Corinthians 5 passage. Our readings this morning were all very, I'd say, iconic. The prodigal son, I don't know if you get more iconic than that. Um, I can remember... Uh, being in uh, middle school and going on retreat, looking at that passage. It's a passage that's been depicted in paintings, and I'll relate it back to our, our topic this morning. But our topic this morning is what do we do with personal suffering? What do we do with personal suffering? What place does it have in our witness? What place does it have in the season of Lent? Lent. We are in Lent preparing for Easter. And oftentimes in Lent, we think about what can we give up. We think about how we might recommit to a life um, in Christ. We may think about uh, devotional commitments we've taken up. We may think about extra giving that we're preparing for. But Lent is also a time to think about what do we do with suffering? What do we do with difficulty? And the Corinthian passage gives us some very interesting hints. Second Corinthians, what's happening by the time we get to Second Corinthians? Well, the Apostle Paul and the Corinthian church are having a bit of a falling out by the time we get to Second Corinthians, if we read earlier on. Essentially, this is um, Bishop N.T. Wright from the Anglican Communion. He makes a few observations that I'll impart to you this morning. But essentially, they've questioned the apostles' apostleship, if you can think about this a little bit earlier in the letter. If you can think about being in a moment where people question, are you sure you're cut out for what you're doing? Have you ever had that experience at work? Are you sure you picked the right career? Are you sure, then add to it a person of faith for clergy, Are you sure you ought to be a priest? Are you sure? And you get the sense of the pain that this is causing. They get to the point, and this is Bishop Wright, where they say, next time you come to us, you better have some recommendations with you, some letters to vouch for the fact that you are an apostle worth our time. It's a contentious relationship. But but what is the conflict this is relating to our theme. Well, the apostle's been in jail. I don't know if you heard. 
the apostle was imprisoned. He's suffering. He's sick. He barely seems to make a living. In other words, he does not fit their expectation of what God should be doing in his life. It's at that level. Now, why is that? These are new Christians. The uh, Apostle Paul came and helped plant that church. Well, in the religion of the ancient world, religions of the ancient world, you went to God, God's faith, to protect you from suffering, to protect you from calamity. You didn't go to the gods to land you in jail. So when they saw that the Apostle Paul was landing himself in jail, they thought to themselves, this is not the teaching for us. This is not the teaching for us. In our contemporary day, um, usually this sort of judgment of where we react to suffering has more to do with um, suffering that in our judgment may have been your fault (laughs) and may have been just a bit your fault in our American context we say work hard play by the rules and things should go well with you but if we're honest sometimes the should ventures into the must it must go well with you so when in our own lives the expectations don't go as we had hoped. Or in the judgment of others, the expectations don't go as they think they should have gone in our circumstance. We often get pushback. In the Apostle Paul's answer to this charge that, in part, there's many charges here, and we we have Paul's letters, but we get the sense that they don't like where he's at. His answer is that suffering is essential to his apostolic mission. Suffering is essential to God's power being made perfect in weakness. Suffering is not the sign that Paul's ministry is going poorly. Instead, it is the sign that Paul's ministry reflects Jesus who suffered on the cross. That there's an apostolic inheritance. And we ourselves, as we live into the Christian life, as we suffer, this is also part of our heritage, our witness to Jesus. So I want to invite you for a moment to, as we are in Lent this week, to think about How have your personal sufferings, your personal setbacks, ones that may be known only to you, how have they been part of the tapestry of God's witness in your life, this tapestry of God's faithfulness to your life? The power of Christ made perfect in weakness. Now, I can say those things, but they don't ring as much if I don't share some testimony of my own. (laughs) How have I reflected on these things? So I will share with you a bit before we go back to the passage. On the uh, first time I had a major depressive uh, episode, I was just prior to Nadia being born, and I can remember, um, I I thought about how to share these pieces, so there's not going to be a long, be careful about what parts to share, but 
I can remember a friend telling me, I've never seen you so sad, Alexei. I've never seen you so devastated. And it, it, it was true. The, the suffering I was experiencing in that moment, I didn't, I didn't have words for. It seemed to come out of left field. Um, work wasn't going terrific, but I wouldn't say it was going particularly badly. I was, you know, on the verge of expecting my first child. It should be a season of joy. I was young, but I found myself in, in suffering. Um, I could relate to the apostle saying he despaired of life. And in that time, uh, Psalm 27, which is similar to the similar in some sense to the psalm we read together, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear, became a very important verse to me. It's something I prayed in the morning and at night for a period of about six months consistently, because the verses had to become real for me in my suffering. Um, I could relate to the apostle that the God who had been part of my joy now had to meet me in my time of great need. And so the scriptures came alive. It was Jesus was no longer um, someone who was inspiring me. He had to lift me up. He had to carry me up. Similar to the prodigal son story. It was the embrace that was important. And also during this time... The reactions from family and friends wasn't, weren't as you would hope. <laughs> they weren't empathy-filled. I can remember, um, and Casey and I were talking about this a bit this morning, there was a lot of disappointment. There was a disappointment reaction. How disappointing. Not disappointment that you're in suffering, but that you can't do as you, you can't function as you once did. How disappointing. There's a lot of disappointment. And that was hard. That was hard. And Paul also has that feeling of being alone in his suffering. Him sharing his sufferings doesn't engender joy in giving. <laughs> it's a very vulnerable part of his ministry. And at times, um, he is just with Jesus. You get the sense when he's saying in his letters, what gave you encouragement, Paul? You get the sense that some of the answers, like, well, someone visited me a month ago. And that was really great. They brought some blankets. <laughs> so you get the sense of his isolation, yet Jesus was, was, was there. And in his answer, now that we go into the text, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Part of that message is a message that God accompanies us in suffering. Suffering, setback, illness, is not a sign that God is absent. It's actually a deep and integral part of how we reach other people. Let me share a few examples from this week. Had a um, close friend, well, close friend, a friend who uh, was dear to me is, is I think more appropriate. Who um, he African American Tony Williams passed this week, and his whole heart was the reconciliation of the gospel, the unity of the Christian church, and he had no reason on earth except for for Christ. If you think about his stories and the stories he shared of suffering, of difficulty, of arrests prior to the civil rights movement and even afterwards, 
There's no reason that he would want to reconcile the broader church. There's no earthly reason except Jesus, that vision that Christ has redeemed suffering and has made my suffering into a message of hope, a message of hope and healing for the nations in a very personal way past this week. Our suffering also allows us to relate to other people if we let it as part of our witness. It can be evangelistic if we have healed and we're a bit accompanied from it. It can be evangelistic. It can be a way for us to connect, a way for us to connect with the stories of others. And so in that sense, it's very much part of reconciliation. Our message is that our message is not that Christ came into the world to free you from all difficulty. Come believe in Jesus and nothing bad will ever happen again. That's not our message. Our message is that God has reconciled the world in Jesus and that we are part of a spiritual community that lives on earth, also exists in heaven, and there is a vibrant whole. There is a vibrant whole to our life and our witness, and that vibrant whole includes God meeting us in suffering, even suffering that is sometimes scary and and doesn't seem, in our own judgment, to have a redemptive purpose. Because there are sometimes sufferings and calamities that happen. We had this in our passage last week. Random sufferings. Or even in our world today, we have this. You know, if you, if you think about it, if we were a worshiping community in the city of Maripol in Ukraine a month ago, we would have thought, ah, yes, it's hard times, but who knows, you know, Jesus is with us. And yet a month later, it's, it's, it's a wasteland. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell on earth. There's nothing left. Everyone has left. People have died needlessly. This doesn't seem to have a redemptive purpose. And yet, in God's economy, we can trust that it does. We can trust that it does for each of those saints who have perished this week. And Lent invites us into a kind of inner reflection about all these matters. So not only do we get a chance to think about, Lord, how do I recommit my life? How do I take these days to think seriously about my walk? It also gives us a chance, and this is my invitation to you this week, or sometime before Easter... Because I know it's always, anyways, to take a half day, to take an evening and and reflect and meditate a bit on, Lord, how have you worked with me in my own sufferings, my own disappointments, my own calamities? Where have you been? And the Bible gives us many different places to look. It gives us the example of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, have you forsaken me? Right? Right? It gives us a lot of places to go in our emotional vocabulary as we do this reflection. But I think what we will find is that whether our suffering seem to have an immediate redemptive purpose or they seem not to in our own eyes, I think what we will find if we meditate on our sufferings and our difficulties and our setbacks, I think we will find that... God has used them for, our, for his purposes in relating to us. I think that's what we will find. And within those purposes, we can give them back to God. We can give our questions, we can give our completed sufferings back to God as we head towards Easter and say, Lord, accompany me 
accompany me to learn what I must from the sufferings and setbacks of the past, or perhaps they're more immediate, the sufferings and setbacks of the present. Accompany me. Let me know how your wounds relate to my wounds. And we can deepen our love and our affection with Jesus as we walk towards Easter. We go a little bit further. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his gospel, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We end on a fairly famous passage in the scripture, a passage that the reformers thought a lot about. As Anglicans, we think about this passage, but we also think about what the church has taught everywhere and in all places in this ending verse on the righteousness of God. And part of what the church has taught as it relates to this relates back to our witness. It relates back to our suffering. It relates back to our completed witness for the world. That part of that completed witness is that through, through the church, the righteousness of God is being made known to the world in a more complete, in a full way. And so, as I close, the invitation this Lent is to take a time this week, half day or before Easter, to reflect on the meaning of our suffering, personal and setbacks, and to ask the question, Jesus, how did you meet me? And to use the Psalms as our guide to pray back to God as we head into Easter. Thank you. Amen.